Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast, and it is the 100th episode of Markets and Mortgages. Let's get the clapping going. Yes. There we go. That's right. I already said my name. I'm Tyler Crawley. I just did 100 episodes of Markets and Mortgages. That's impressive for me. I Usually, when I start something, I, I get through like 10, 20 50, like best case scenario. And here we are at number 100. I'm very excited. Now, in case you are wondering, no, I did not do a live broadcast of this podcast. I was going to, like I was already planning on it. I was getting ready, had everything ready to go. And I didn't charge my mixer. And I just, I was like, I don't know if I'm, it was not good. Um, I was not ready to go live just yet. I was not ready for the world to see me behind the microphone, so I did not go live. Uh, but that's my goal, to start 2022. So that's this is kind of, thinking I was gonna do it now kind of hastened the process. So now I'll definitely be ready to go by 2022. And hopefully it'll look good. We will see. I, I'll let you be the judge of that. But this is number 100, and let's hope there's hundreds of thousands. Is that even possible if I do the math on that? No, if I did a hundred in a year, I'd have to live to be a thousand, and that's that's questionable. There could be some advances in medicine, but I think it's questionable whether I'm whether or not I'm going to live to be a thousand. Especially considering I am considered a geriatric millennial, and that's where we're going to kick things off. Because yesterday, the Wall Street Journal reported that millennials are dominating the housing market, just straight up, like Tiger Woods. In his prime, Kobe in his prime, just dominating. I guess I should say Jordan in his prime. I, I do broadcast out of North Carolina. I should say Jordan in his prime, just dominating the housing market. Nicole Friedman over at the Wall Street Journal writes, for years, conventional wisdom held that millennials born from 1981 to 1996 would become the generation that largely spurned home ownership. Instead, they have reached a housing milestone, accounting for more than a half of all home purchase loan applications last year. And here's the thing. It's not just first timers. The generation accounted for 67% of first time home purchase mortgage applications. So, okay, but 37% of repeat purchase applications in the first 18 or first 18, the first eight months of 2021. How many uh, months again are there in a year? Is it, is it a 20 some, the first 18 months of 20? Well, let's face it. 20 and 21 had basically blended into one year. So that could kind of count. So it's not just first time home buyers. You have millennials who are upgrading. Maybe they're buying a second home. So the stereotypes of millennials Shocker ended up not being true. And actually what's funny is they ended up being like every other generation. So a stereotype in another type of way. And here's the real kicker. This could be just the beginning 
The largest group of millennials turned 30 this year, which means millennials' dominance is likely to grow in the coming decade. Freeman wrote about 32% of millennials surveyed by housing research firm Zonda in late 2020 and early 2021 said they plan to buy a home in the next one to three years as soon as they could save for a down payment, which, of course, is getting more difficult as home prices rise. You know, you don't need 20% down. That's a a big myth. Everyone thinks, oh, if I'm going conventional, I need 20% down. You do not. But you still need X amount of dollars down, whatever that may be. And as home prices rise, so will that down payment. But here's the good news. Their wages are rising. So that's also the good news. And I think the average age for for home ownership is around 33 so the fact that you have this huge group turning 30, there could be an explosion. So this could just be the beginning. And here's kind of the sad part. So I mentioned the down payment. A lot of people think I need 20% if I'm going to go buy a home, which how people still think that nowadays, I have no idea. But a lot of millennials don't realize they probably could qualify for a mortgage about 31% of older millennials and 43% of younger millennials don't currently have a mortgage, but could qualify for one, according to a Freddie Mac analysis of credit bureau data. And so this is not just millennials thinking this, this is other generations that have thought this, but home ownership has become easier. Now, once again, not as easy as it was in the mid aughts. We don't want that again, where it's, you know, the ninja loans, no income, no job, no identification, nothing, no assets, just give me a home. We don't want that, but it has become easier. And the down payment, as most people thought, oh, it's 20%, it's gotta be 20%, not the case anymore. And so there are a lot of millennials out there that are qualifying, they don't realize they qualify. And so if they do realize, especially if their wages are going up, there could be an even bigger explosion. And I do want to point out being a millennial myself, even though a geriatric millennial at that, I think far too many people have kind of counted out millennials, believing they're destined to have a lower standard of living than their parents. And I'm just not buying it. I'm not one of those people. I'm an optimist. I am not buying that. And as a geriatric millennial, I think we've been through a lot. I mean, two huge recessions <laughs> we had. We kind of caught the tail end of the early 2000s. A lot of us were, myself, you know, we're going to college. So we at least saw a little bit of it, but we weren't in the workforce. And then, you know, we start working and boom, 2008, housing crisis. So then we're starting to build ourselves up and then boom, here we are in 2021. So we've been through some pretty big recessions and we're resilient. So don't count us out. That's all I'm saying is don't count us out. Not at all. Now, one thing you shouldn't be counting out is inflation. <laughs> We've talked about inflation a lot here on this podcast. And yesterday we got some new data. It's not good. It's like all the other data that we've got on inflation. It's not good. It's very difficult for inflation to be transitory when it keeps increasing at a record pace. The latest data from the Labor Department looking at the producer price Index Month over month, the PPI increased 0.8%. That's just month over month. Year over year, 9.6. 9.6 in November 2021 when compared to November 2020. Of course, this is the largest advance since 12-month data was first calculated back in November of 2010. So you got to take that into context because a lot of times people think we've been collecting this data for 
you know, decades and we've been collecting it since you know the 19 you know 1920 or something and oh my gosh this is the biggest on record well okay you got to put into context inflation is running very hot there's no doubt about that but this idea that this is the hottest we've seen it in you know 100 years nah that's not the case let's not forget about what happened in the 70s now core ppi was also up 0.7 percent month over month while annual growth was 6.9%, which of course is also the largest number that we've seen, except this was the largest number since August, 2014, when they started collecting data. So they've only been collecting core PPI for what, seven years? (laughs) So you gotta take that into context. Now, economists had predicted a smaller monthly gain of only 0.4%, but they, they actually predicted a bigger annual increase of 7.2%. So I, does that cancel out? I'm not entirely sure. Now, demand for goods continued to be bigger than demand for services as goods jumped 1.2%, which was a little bit slower than the 1.3% increase that we saw in October. However, demand for services jumped pretty significant amount. It was 0.2% in October It was a 0.7% jump in November, which means, and a lot of people are pointing out that services have kind of been shut down, and that as we see those reopen fully, that we could see that number start running a little hotter. Now, Mohamed El-Adarian, chief economic advisor at Aliz, said that this data is more evidence that the Fed needs to go beyond a doubling of the amount by which it reduces monthly asset purchases, writing in Bloomberg. He said the Fed has a simple choice this week. It can either continue with its gross mishandling of inflation or instead start regaining credibility in its control of the narrative on inflation and monetary policy. And I mean, let's face it, we have a lot of data coming out this morning, a lot. So at 7 a.m., we're getting the weekly mortgage demand and rate number that's out at 7 a.m at 8 30 we have retail sales coming out that's going to be a big number because if that shows a decline it could indicate that higher prices are starting to finally impact consumers which will put even more pressure on the fed here's the thing they've pretty much already made up their minds <laughs> i mean they met yesterday they're meeting today and then at two o'clock they're going to announce what their decision is with regards to rates, with regards to asset purchases. And then there's going to be a press conference at 2.30. They'll also, of course, make their predictions. And then at 10 a.m., we're also going to be seeing builder confidence will be released. So there is a ton, a ton of data coming out today. So we're going to keep this episode short. I know it's episode 100, so I should be doing a lot more, but I'm looking at it in the context of the 101, 101, the 101st, episode is going to have so much we'll make up for the time difference there all right that's kind of the deal so i appreciate everyone that's been listening we made through 100 like i said i want to see 100 and 100 and 100 and 100 more i want to see a lot more i'm going to keep going i'm going to add some new elements i'm going to try and start streaming at the beginning of the new year because i was reading that youtube and interactive podcasting is kind of the future and i said oh i like that because as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I do miss the live element and kind of people being able to react in real time or at least seeing comments or whatever it may be. So I'm looking forward to adding that component to all the stuff that I am doing. We got got the, the morning newsletter. 
We got the morning podcast. Can't wait to add the live element. Looking very forward to it. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. Get prepared mentally for all the data that's going to be coming out today. We'll be talking about it tomorrow morning right here for the 101st episode of Markets and Mortgages. I'm Tyler Crawley, and as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.